Super excited to be with you this morning. If you guys are like, who the heck is this guy? Um, and why does he talk like that? Um, my name's Trey. Um, I moved to Redlands, California uh, in February. And my, my parents, they pastor um, in Redlands and have been here for about two years now. Uh, but I just moved here in February. I graduated college back in December and, uh, and made the move out. So I'm super excited to be with you here. I was telling the first service uh, that um, I heard about Sanctuary very quickly. As soon as I moved to California, I started to hear the name Sanctuary and just wanted you to know and be encouraged that um, your church is, is making a voice in the community. I know a good bit of you. I see some familiar faces out there, Gloria. I know the lands. Um, and super just thankful to Rod and his family for having me out today. Um, just super honored to be able to speak with you, and I hope that um, I can encourage you this morning. Our, service, our uh, church has been going through a series called Good News, and uh, how many of you have received any good news this week? Any good news? How about bad news? Anybody received any bad news this week? Yeah, if you've walked the journey of life, you know that life's full of both, right? Full of some good news, full of some bad news. Um, but the good news about bad news is that good news is better when there's first bad news, right? So today I want to talk to you about good news, but I want to take you to a passage of Scripture. We're going to look at Luke 11. And Luke 11 has been a pretty confusing passage for me for most of my life. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents, I actually come from a long line of, of pastors. My, my great-grandfather was the first Christian in our family, and God called him to pastor. And then he had a couple of sons. One of those sons became a pastor. And then he had a son. That son was my father. And my father became a believer when he was, I think, like the age of 14. And then God called him to pastor, and he's been pastoring since he was 18. So I tried to run from God a long, a long time in my life, but just couldn't get away from him, right? And maybe that's some, that's some of your story, is that God has sought after you even, after, even when you didn't seek after him. So if you got your Bible, I want to talk to you uh, from Luke 11 today. Luke 11, uh, we're going to start in verse 9. And I want to talk to you about good news, about how good news changes things, right? Um, some of you guys, you raise your hand and said, yeah, I've gotten some good news this week. And what does good news do for your attitude sometimes? Good news can absolutely just change your day, can it? We, uh, me and my fiance, my fiance Isabel is here, and we got some good news yesterday from her mom, and her mom said, ah, oh, I've got the best, you, you'll never believe you received the best wedding gift ever. And we said, oh, what is it? And it was, what, what, it was uh, silverware, silverware, and we thought, oh, well, you know, thanks, that's great. But then she said, oh, well, it's worth like a couple thousand dollars. And we were like, okay, like that changes it. That's good news, right? And so we were super pumped about that, okay? I don't know what your good news has been this week, but I know that good news changes things. I know that good news changes attitudes sometimes. Good news changes perspective. You can be in a really bad place and then you receive some good news and it can change things for you. Today, I want to talk to you about good news, okay? Good news changes things. I want to talk to you about the good news of three different things, okay? And we're going to look at Luke 11. The good news about asking. The good news about asking when it comes to asking God who He is. 
want to talk to you about the good news about seeking. The good news about seeking and the good news about knocking. So three different things, the good news. Let's look at this passage together. If you got your Bible, Luke 11, I'm going to start in verse 9. This is Jesus. He's teaching on prayer, okay? And if you're like me, prayer didn't always come easy as a kid. I can remember my parents uh, trying to teach me how to pray, right? They, they would teach me how to pray at the dinner table. They would teach me how to pray um, when we were getting tucked in at bed at night, and we would learn how to talk to God. But I can remember just as a kid being super nervous, especially when I'd go to church and I'd have to pray in front of people and go, I, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know what to say. You know, thank you, God, for waking me up this morning, you know. And prayer oftentimes can be a kind of confusing thing for us to, to know how to talk to God, to know how to relate to God. But I hope that you know this morning that God desires for you to communicate with Him and that He desires to communicate with you in the primary way that we can do that is through prayer. Okay, so let's read this passage together. Jesus teaching on prayer, here's what He says. He said, Jesus Uh, He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but for me, when I read this, I immediately go to, that is not how it has been in my life. Has it been that way for you? Ask and you'll receive. For everyone who asks, they will receive. Think about in the context of maybe you're a student here and you're still under your parents' wing. How many of you, you go to mom and dad and that's how it is? You just ask mom and dad, let me get a new blank. And mom and dad say, ask and you shall receive, right? It's just not how it works for us most of the time, okay? How about this? A lot of you have asked God for a lot of things, right? And would you say that you always get what you ask for? Huh. That hasn't been my story, and I don't think that it's been your story, okay? So this morning, I want to talk to you about the good news about asking, okay? The good news about asking, and also why why it's good news that God doesn't always give you what you ask for, okay? Now, that doesn't sound like good news, but I'm going to try to convince you otherwise this morning, okay? My first point for you this morning from Luke 11 is this, is that we really don't know what we need as people. We really don't know what we need. Would you agree with that? Some of you are like, nah, like I know what I need. In fact, I woke up this morning, some of our first thoughts start with, I know exactly what I need today, I know exactly what I need to get done. I know exactly what I need. I need this much money. I need this much time off work. I need this much time to do this task, right? And we think that we know what we need. But I want to read for you a couple of scriptures. They're going to pop up for us. I believe it's Jeremiah. Jeremiah 7. Can you guys see that? Is it up on there? It's not up on mine. There we go. Jeremiah 17, 9. Here's what it says about our heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Okay? We live in a world that tells you what? Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Do what you want. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. You carve your own path. You follow your own heart. 
You know what's best for you. Here's what Scripture says. Your heart is the most deceitful thing that can lead you. Your heart is the most deceitful thing that you can follow. Don't trust it. Don't trust it. The, the worst advice, and I, and I know I, this isn't popular, but the worst advice that you can get is for someone to tell you to follow your own heart. Why? Why? Because here's what, here's what God says about your heart. It's deceitful above all things, okay? Here's another scripture for you. Proverbs. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else. So above everything. The writer of Proverbs says this. Above everything, guard your what? Guard your heart. Above everything. Now, now this isn't from the standpoint, some of you have been in relationships, right? And you're like, yeah, they told me guard my heart, right? And I didn't do it, and now my heart is broken. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about like, you know, girlfriend and boyfriend status, or maybe you've been, you've had a, a long history of, of dating and it hasn't really gone your way, and you're like, I should have just guarded my heart. That's not really what it's talking about here when it says, above all else, guard your heart. What it's talking about is that everything you do flows from the healthiness, the nature of your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Okay, I want to read for you another thing. This is when Jesus is teaching on the heart. Here's what he says. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. Okay, so this is a group of people, they're getting on to Jesus because Jesus wasn't washing his hands before he ate. So his hands are all dirty. He doesn't wash them. It was tradition. You know, I mean, in fact, my mom would tell me, hey, wash your hands before you eat. You're nasty, right? But they're saying to him, hey, you're defiling yourself because you're not washing your hands before you eat. And Jesus says to them, no, see, here's the deal. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you because what comes out of your mouth, and you guys know, what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart, okay? And then he expounds on that. And what comes out of the heart is what? It's wicked. Here's what he says. Comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. What? These are what defile a person, right? These are what defile you. These are what, these are what make us unclean. But we live in a culture that tells us, and, and you're told your whole life, follow your heart. But can I tell you, your heart will lead you places that you don't want to be. Okay, here's the good news about asking. First thing. First thing, the good news about asking is that God is not going to give you everything that you ask for. And that's good news. Why? Because you really don't know what you need. You really don't. Trey really doesn't know what he needs. Don't follow your heart because you don't know what you need. Okay, second thing, why does God not give us everything that we ask for? Most of the time, we ask for the wrong things. Do you agree with that? Most of the time we ask for the wrong thing. This is a really frustrating thing about, about our prayer life, okay? Is it a lot of times we pray and we ask God, God, I need this, I need this, I gotta have this, I really want this, I really want this. And, and we might pray this for months and months and months. You might feel like, you, oh, I don't get any answers. I don't, I don't get any answer. God, he's not giving me what I asked for. But can I tell you, that's a good thing. A lot of the times it's a good thing. Why? Because a lot of the times in our prayer life, we're asking God for the wrong things. And if God really gives you what you're asking for, it's going to take you to a place that you don't want to be. Let me give you an example of this. I told the story. When I was a kid, 
I hated school, hated school. And I would show up to class on Monday, and my teacher, she would tell us, she would forewarn us about a test that we were going to have on Friday. And she would say, oh, a test is going to be on chapter two, three, four, five. This is what's going to be on it, yada, yada. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Friday, it's Monday, I don't care. Um, and and I, what, about, what about homework? You know, why, why do we go to class eight hours a day and then, why don't they just keep us for two more hours instead of sending us home to do more hours of homework? I never got that, you know? I never understood that. Well, just keep me longer so that when I get home, I can be free, right? But the teacher would say, hey, we're going to have a test on Friday. I'd say, okay, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Wouldn't study all week. I would show up to class on Friday. I would sit down. I'd be fired up. It's Friday. Here we go. And then I, the, the question would come, what's the question? Hey, are you ready for the, your buddies would say, hey, are you ready for the test? And I'd say, there's a, t- there's a test today? Yeah, 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 there's a test today. I was, yeah, the test. And immediately, immediately, hadn't prayed all week. Where do you go? God, please. Right? Please, God. If you just, if you just help me, if you, if you just get, help me pass this test, I will study from now on. I will study from now on, right? Now, I want to pose this to you. If God gave, if God just delivered A pluses to everybody that prayed that right before the test, right? We'd have a bunch of real dumb people, wouldn't we? Why? Because if God is rewarding you for that, if God is rewarding you, you didn't put any time, any energy, any practice, any brain power into trying to actually learn something for yourself, and God just, you just, magic pill, God, can I I please have an A plus? And then you pass all your tests, and what are you going to do? You'll never study. You'll You'll never be smarter. You'll never be wiser if he rewards you for that. And then all of your buddies at school are like, what are you doing? How do you do it? And you're like, I just pray before the test, you know? And everybody's going to be coming to you for tutoring because you're like, just pray before the test and you get A pluses and you don't fail. So what's the good news about asking and not always receiving what you ask for? Here's the deal. Is that a lot of times we're asking God for the wrong things like, hey God, help, help me pass this test that I didn't put any time and energy and effort and work into to passing God. He, that, that's just not how it works. Most of the time we ask for the wrong thing. Same thing. If we never work a day in our life and we just, God, please, I just really need, I really need money. I really need this large sum of cash. I re- God, I really need to pay my bills, but yet I do nothing. I do nothing to, to, to fix my situation. I don't ever go to work. I don't ever put in job applications. I don't ever um, reach out to somebody that I know that I can work for, and God just set, God just deposits, just deposits money into your bank account every week, then what are you going to become? You're going to become lazy. You're never going to work. So a lot of the times we ask for the wrong thing. Why is it good that God doesn't give us everything that we ask for? Because most of the time we ask for the wrong thing. Okay? Third point, God is not a genie in a bottle. Y'all ever seen Aladdin? How's Aladdin go? How does, how does it work with the genie of bottle? You got the bottle, you rub it, the genie comes out, says, you have, I think in Aladdin he gets three wishes, right? Rubs the bottle, hey, what do you want today? Okay? When it comes to our relationship with God, it's not, it's, it's, it, God is not a genie in a bottle where we can just come and rub the bottle and say, God, this is what I need today, this is what I want today. And so if you're confused today and, you, and you've, been, you've been approaching God as if, God, like, I, just, I need this from you and you're not receiving 
from him. I want to encourage you today that there is good news about asking. Okay? There is good news about asking. The good news isn't that, that you're going to receive everything that you ask for, but there is good news in the asking. Okay? I want to read one scripture for you. It's Isaiah 45. I came across a scripture this week as I was re- preparing for this, and as God said to me, Trey, uh, I'm not a genie in a bottle. Right? And this is what he uh, brought me to, Isaiah 45.5. It says this, this is God speaking about himself. I'm the Lord, there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know that there is no one besides me. I'm the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light, and I create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all things. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish from it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to those, I love this, woe to those who quarrel with their maker. They basically complain with their maker and say, say those, those are, who are nothing but potsherds among the potsherds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your, does your work say the potter has no hands? Woe to the one who says to a father, uh, what have you begotten? Or to a mother, uh, what have you brought to birth? Uh, Mom, what are you doing? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker, concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hand stretched out the heavens and I marshaled their starry hosts. Here's the good news about asking is that God is totally in control. And God totally does what he wants to do. God totally does what he wants to do. God does what he wants and he's in control. That's the good news about asking. See, there's this thing about asking. When you ask someone to do something for you, what does that mean? It means that you don't have the power to receive or to get whatever you're asking for. You're asking for someone else to do it for you. Let me tell you this. There's no better person to ask to do something for you than the maker of the heavens and the earth. The one who stretched it out with his own hands, right? He's in control. He's in control. Okay, what's the good news about asking? Yes, God is in control, okay? But secondly, this. Here's the best news about asking the most important news about asking, okay? Although you're not going to get everything that, that, that you want, although sometimes you're going to ask for some things that you really shouldn't, that are, that are probably bad, that doesn't offend God. He's not worried about that, okay? Even though sometimes you ask God for some things and you're not going to get it, it, it's okay. Don't be discouraged. The good news about asking is this, and I, I really, want you to, really want you to be encouraged by this today, okay? God's promise to you is that if you ask for him, he's going to give you himself. What is Jesus talking about here? What is Jesus talking about? When you, when you ask, you'll receive. When you ask, you'll receive. Everyone who asks, receives. Here's what he's talking about. I'll read for you. Luke eleven thirteen. Luke eleven thirteen. This is just a continuation of the passage that we've been in. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give what? Give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Who ask him. So what's he going to give? He's going to give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Who ask. The good news about asking is that if you ask for God, he's going to give you more of himself. 
If you ask for more of him, he's not withholding anything of himself from you, okay? So he's not a genie in a bottle where where he's not saying, oh, everything that you ask for, you're going to get because, and that's good news because if you got everything that you asked for, then he wouldn't be in control. You would be in control. The good news about asking is that he's in control, and if you ask for more of him, he's going to give you more of himself. That's what his word says. We're not making that up. Okay. Second thing, I want to talk to you about the good news about seeking. The good news about seeking. He says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Okay, when I was a kid, and a lot of you will relate to this, I used to lose things like crazy all the time. Shoes, keys, wallet, pants. Just kidding, I would lose my pants. That'd be hard. Hopefully you're not losing your pants. Okay, my mom, she would give me things like this, like she would give me my keys and she would put a a, a lanyard on it that I could put around my neck and she would say, wear that around your neck so that you don't lose your keys, right? And so I would do it. I would put it around my neck and then I started to lose friends because they thought I was weird for that. And so then I would take, I would take it off and, and, and I said, mom, I can't do this anymore. Like, that's just weird. So I'm not going to do that anymore. And then I would lose my keys again. And then she started to, she would tie my shoe laces together so that when I took them off, then one, you know, you always lose one shoe. You don't ever lose both. And so I'll lose one shoe and she would tie, she would tie them together so that I wouldn't lose them. And, and, and every time I lost something, I got in this habit of just coming to my mom because moms always know where lost things are, right? And I would come to her and I would say, mom, I've lost this. Do you know, have you seen it, right? Any of y'all do that? Mom, have you seen this? I haven't seen it. It's been like three days. I haven't seen it at all. And I would say, well, have you looked for it? I would say, well, no, Mom, I came. I asked you because you always know where things are. She said, well, go look for it. Go look for it. Go seek after it. Go search for it. And like every kid does, right, you would go and you would spend about three minutes. You know, you would take a glance in your room, say, Mom, I, you know, I have no idea. I have no idea where it is. Did you look everywhere? Yes, Mom. I turned my mattress over. I looked under the bed. I, look, I, I looked everywhere, and I can't find it. I can't find it, Mom. I've searched like crazy with all my heart. I've, I can't find it. And then my mom, you know, my mom, would, she would start, you know, placing bets with me, like, oh, well, if I find it in your room where you said that you looked, like, what are you going to, you know, what are you going to do for me, right? And, and obviously, I would lose a bet every time. She would go, and she would, you know, uh, she would find it in five minutes. I said, oh, Mom, I looked. I promise, you know. Here's the thing about searching. A lot of times, I, I, and I know, I've been, I've been here. In your relationship, in your journey, in your walk with God, a lot of times we complain like, God, I've been searching for you. I've been searching for you. I've, been, I've really been seeking you, God. I've been searching after you. I've been looking everywhere. And, and, and you're frustrated and you feel like, ah, oh, where's God? Where's God in my story? Where's God in my situation? But I think a lot of the times we're really not seeking him. We're really not searching for him. Here was the big problem with me when I was searching for the things that were lost. Is that other times I was, pre- I was preoccupied with something else. Like, for example, right? I was probably playing like my PSP or something, right? Or my Xbox, okay? Mom, I have no idea where it is. I'm looking everywhere. But in reality, I'm looking at what? My game, I'm looking at my game, so I'm really not searching. I'm really not looking. When it comes to your relationship with God and you say, oh, I've been searching for all this time. I've been looking for all this time. I've really been seeking God out. In reality, what you're probably doing is your attention and your focus is so much on something else. Just speaking from my experience, 
My attention and my focus is, is, is on something else that I, I, could, I could never find God because I'm so preoccupied with everything else in my life. I could never find my lost keys because I was looking at my PSP game, what's going on? Here's the good news about seeking and searching, though, is that if you seek God with all of your heart, he will be found by you. If you seek God with all of your heart, he will be found by you. A lot of you guys know the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? What does it say? For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future, declares the Lord, okay? I love verse 12 and 13, though. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Isn't that good news this morning, that God will listen to you? You will seek me, listen to this, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with what? With all of your heart. When you seek me with all of your heart. I got good news for you about seeking this morning. God's not hiding from you. He's really not. He's really not. And don't hide from him. Don't be so preoccupied with everything else in your life that you can't free yourself up to search for God. Because here's his promise to you. Here's the good news about it is that he will be found by you if you seek him with all of your heart. Now, some of you say, oh, yeah, this, this passage of Scripture, it's, about, it's talking to a certain group of people who they were in captivity um, to the Babylonians, and you say, ah, oh, that doesn't apply to me, and that doesn't apply to my life. Okay? I want to say to you, though, the New Testament says that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's, a, it's applicable for what? It's applicable for what? Yell it out. Righteousness, okay? For teaching, for rebuking, okay? Now, why can we look back to Scriptures like this and say, yeah, it was to a specific group of people at a specific group of time or a specific time frame, and it still applied to our life because Jesus said... Jesus said that all Scripture was about him, concerning him, right? Everything that was written was written about him before he came, and it's applicable to our life, for our well-being, for our learning, okay? So I want to say to you this morning that if you seek God with all of your heart, don't be discouraged. That Keep seeking him, and he will be found by you, okay? That's good news, and I hope it encourages you. God's not far from you. I want to read one more uh, scripture for you. It's Acts 17, verses 22. Now, how many of you guys have have, uh, heard about Paul? Paul's all up in the New Testament, right? He wrote most of it. He's got a pretty crazy story. He He persecuted the church. He was killing Christians. He was having Christians arrested. He was very religious, right? He was a part of the Jewish faith. He says a lot of things about himself, concerning himself. We get to know Paul really well. And when he meets Jesus, he's actually on his way to persecute and to, uh, to have a bunch of Christians arrested for following Jesus. Okay? Now, Paul, after he comes to know Jesus, after he has a, a, a significant conversion and he meets Jesus, right? he then begins to preach Jesus like, like no one has ever preached Jesus before. Okay? And he comes to a place in Athens... Okay? And when he's in Athens, he finds that this group of people, they're very religious, right? If you know anything about, um, about your history, right, you would know that in Athens, they had a place called the Oropagus. And at the Oropagus, they worshiped all kinds of different gods, right? Mythical creatures and all kinds of different 
um, things that, 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 that they had been told had been passed down through their history about gods and even some gods that they didn't even um, know that existed. And Paul, we're going to read here in just a second, he, he comes across this idol, this altar that is to an unknown God, okay? And here's, here, I just want to read the scripture for you. It says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus. So he's in the Oropagus, and he stood there, and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious, okay? For as I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the, wor- the, the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did so, y'all still with me? God did so that they would what? That they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. And I love this, though he is not far from any one of us. Did you know this morning that God is not far from you? That's what Paul says. Even to a group of people, they're a part of a different culture. They're a part of a different religion. They've never heard anything about Jesus ever in their life. Okay? They're very religious. Sound familiar? Very religious. But they've, they've never heard anything of Jesus ever in their life. Okay? Here's what he says to them. God's not far from you. God's not far from you. He set you in this very place so that you may what? so that you may seek him out and that he may be found by you. The good news about seeking is that he will be found by you if you seek him with all of your heart. Okay? God is not far from you this morning. I hope you're encouraged about that. Let's look at this last thing. What's our scripture say? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, the door will be open to you. A few weeks back, um, we took our youth group to San Bernardino, and we were working with uh, another church plant that was there, and um, they wanted us to go door to door and spread the news about you know their their church being there. We're sharing the gospel with people, telling them the good news about Jesus, and and sharing with them information about the the church so that they would know when they met and, you know, that they were welcome and that we wanted the community to come and be a part of it. And we were going door to door and we were, we were knocking on the door, right? And, and we got some doors that opened, some doors that, you know, no one came to the door. But my favorite was when um, we would knock on the door and, you know, a lot of people, they have blinds up um, in, in front of their windows, right? They, they keep the privacy and to keep the heat out and things like that. And we would go to the door, knock, 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 knock on the door, we'd step away, and uh, we would think, ah, maybe no one's home. And then all of a sudden in the blinds, you see just like a little slit open up, right? And then close real fast, right? And then, of course, no one comes to the door and answer. They're, they're, they're just checking it out, right? And so the, the, the thing that I learned from that is like sometimes it, it, it like kind of it stinks to like knock on someone's door, and they, especially when you know that they're there and they like open up. You know, and they probably think you're the Jehovah's Witness, and so they, they, you know, they don't come to the door. They open it up, and they're like, ah, no, we're good. You know, close the door shut. 
the reality is, is that when you knock on God's door, when you knock on the gate, which Jesus said he was the gate, when you knock on God's door, the door will always be open to you. I want to read you a passage of scripture in John, and we're almost done. You guys still with me? Still with me? You encouraged yet? I hope so. John 10. This is Jesus speaking. Here's what he says. I love this. I am the what? The gate. What does a gate do? Less people in and out, right? Less people in and out. Jesus says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be what? Will be saved. They will come in and go out and they'll find pasture. Then he says this, the, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Okay, one thing I want you to hear real quick this morning. I know that when we, when we talk about asking, and there's a lot of things that you guys have probably asked for, asked God for that are legitimate things, right? For example, like this, maybe you've asked God, um, you've had people in your life who were, who were sick, who needed healing, right? And maybe you prayed and prayed and asked God uh, to bring healing, asked God to, um, to bring restoration to a hard circumstance in your life, right? And maybe you didn't get an answer, right? Maybe that person passed away, or maybe they're still sick, or maybe you haven't seen that relationship restored, okay? I don't know the answers to, to, to all of those things, why God doesn't heal people every time, why, why broken relationships, not all of them are restored. Because a lot of times I think we can hear people's stories and we can be like, yeah, that's great, right? That, that's amazing, but we can get discouraged because we think, why is it not happening in my story, okay? I don't know the answers to that, but what I do know is that Jesus said that he came to give what? To give life, Okay? I've come to give you life and to give it in abundance, okay? And I know that the heart of God, I used to hear this a lot when I was, when I was growing up and when I was in the church. Um, we, had, we had several friends who, um, they got sick and with cancer and passed away and died. And, and a lot of their family, you know, people that had grown up at the church and things like that, they would say things like, uh, like oh, it was just God's will, it was, just God's, it was just God's will for them, you know, to, to, to die when they did. Or I had another friend who, he was, in a, he was in a car crash, and he died prematurely, young guy, 18 years old. Um, it was just God's will for them to die. And, and, and I, I want you to know this, that if you've been told that, that's not true. That's not true. Um, the will of God is that everyone would have life, okay? In the beginning, when, when God created the heavens and the earth, he didn't create us with death in mind. That's why death is so hard for us. That's why sickness is so painful for us, right? But Jesus came, he said, I've come to give you life and to give it in abundance. So when you feel injustice about sickness, when you feel injustice about death, premature death, just know that the heart of God felt that first, okay? Just know that the injustice in your heart, that, that God first feels that injustice, okay? So Jesus said, I've come to give life and to give it in abundance, okay? Um, when you knock on someone's door, right, not everyone is going to answer, but when you knock on God's door, he will always answer, okay? And here's the confidence. Here's how we know that is because Jesus said he's the gate, and whoever comes through him 
will have life and will be saved. Here's the reality. There's been a door between us and God for a really long time, okay? That door is because of sin. It's because, it's because we followed our heart, right? The door between us and God doesn't exist because God doesn't like us or God wants separation with us. The, God, the door between us and God is because we decided that we knew what was best and we decided to follow our heart. Here's the good news about knocking is that God has made a way for that door to be opened. Jesus said he's the, he's the gate. Whoever comes through him will be saved and will find life. Through Jesus, we can have a relationship with God, not based on anything that we've done, not based on our past, not based on what is currently going on, not based on how many times we've gone to church this week, not based on your attendance, not based on how much service, how many, how many years you've been serving at this church not based on your position at this church, not based on Trey having a microphone on his, in his hand and standing up in front of you on a stage, not because um, Nate sings worship music, not because of that, okay? But only because of Jesus. Here's what Jesus did. He did what none of us could do. He didn't follow his heart. He didn't follow his heart. He said, I, I do everything that, that the Father asked me to do. I'm completely obedient to the Father in every way, in every way. You know what none of us could do? That right there. Why? Because we come out of the womb thinking that we know what's best. We come out of the womb thinking that we should follow our heart, thinking that our opinions are what's best, thinking that what we do matters most, thinking that our own ideas are the best ideas. But here's, here, here's what Jesus did. He did everything that the Father asked of him, okay? And that's why his sacrifice on the cross was a worthy sacrifice. See, if I, if I came up to you and I said, hey, let me die for you, right? Let me, let me uh, you guys can hang me on a cross and beat me and, you know, spit on me, whip me, mock me, you know, and I, and, and, until I die, right? And I'll take your sins away. You guys would look at me like I'm crazy, right? You guys would be like, this guy's a loony, you know? And a lot of people thought Jesus was a loony, right? You remember that? A lot of people thought, oh, he's demonic, He's demonic. He's saying him and God are the same. He's saying that he can take people's sins away. He's saying that he can forgive people of their sins. Oh, he's, he's demonic. Until, until what? Until three days later after Jesus was crucified on the cross, he rose from the dead and appeared to those same people. So his sacrifice, why, why, why do we still preach about it to this day? Why do we still talk about the sacrifice of Jesus? Plenty of people have died, right? Plenty of people have died in people's places, Plenty of Looney Tunes have said that they can take people's sins away and then died, and, not, and, and that was the end of them. Here's the good news about asking, seeking, and knocking, is that when you knock on Jesus' door, you're knocking on, a, you're knocking on a God's door who is alive, who died a death, who suffered just like me and you, who sympathizes with our weaknesses. That's what Hebrews says. Who, who was just like us, except he was faced with the same challenges, except he, was, he, he wasn't sinful in any way. He was perfect, okay? So his sacrifice after he died, why could death not hold him? Because the wages of sin is death, okay? The wage of sin is death. What's a wage? Something that you earn, right? If I come and I cut your grass, I'm going to cut your grass for $20, okay? Cheap. Y'all like, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm going to ask for more than that. <laughs> Depending on how big your yard is, right? But if I cut your yard, say, all right, 
I want twenty dollars. You say, okay, your wage is twenty dollars. I cut your grass. The wage that I earn is what twenty dollars. When I sin, what's my wage? The wage is death. Okay. Guess what? Jesus wasn't. He wasn't sinful. So the wage of death, right, couldn't be paid to him in full. The the grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. And he rose from the dead. Okay, so that's why we're here, right? I know sometimes it's confusing. It's like we dress up, we come to church, we kind of go through the motions, we do our religious activity, we come. But Paul, he, he spoke to a group of very religious people, and he said to them, hey, you're missing it. You're missing it. And I would say to you that if you're here today, and it's not because you've knocked on Jesus' door so that he can save you, so that he can make you right with God based on what he's done, then I would say that you're missing it. So the good news about knocking is that Jesus is at the gate. He is the gate. Right, And I hope you're encouraged by that. I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to, to come back up, and we're going to close out in a song. Who's encouraged this morning? You guys encouraged? I hope that, I hope that th- this passage for me is, has always been a little confusing, and so I hope that, hope that it brings some clarity to you about it, and I hope that you're encouraged by it. Okay? And I encourage you this week, go back. You guys, won't, you guys will remember about 20% of what I said today, right? But the Word is always there. God's word is always there for you to go and to, and to learn and to read and to dive into, okay? So I encourage you to, to go and do that. Let me pray for you guys. Thanks for having me. Super glad to be here with you this morning, and uh, we're going to close out with a, a time of worship, okay? So let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you for, uh, thank you for your word. Pray that we would know that it's true. Pray that... Uh, Yeah, we would see that at work in our lives. Pray that we would pray differently. Pray that we would ask you for you and be satisfied with only you. Pray that we would search after you for real. Pray that we wouldn't be distracted by other things in our search so that we can truly find you. And God, I pray that you would put in us a desire to knock at your door. Don't let us just stand outside without knocking. Give us a heart that knocks for you, God. We love you. We love you. We thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. In Jesus' name, amen.